And today we have a very special guest for you that's going to be teaching our adult um, Bible class as a part of our uh, 50th anniversary weekend. Brother Tim Duffy was with us on staff back in the early 80s and uh, was a great blessing then, has continued to be a blessing in many other capacities, many other ministries. Uh, but it's been over 30 years since he's been back here in Palm Bay. And uh, he has been evangelizing with his wife now for uh, a number of years. And we are delighted that he is coming now to teach our adult Bible study class. You're going to enjoy his teaching. He's written a couple of books. He's a great Bible uh, study teacher, and uh, he's going to be a great blessing. Would you welcome from Warsaw, Indiana, Tim Duffy. God bless him at this time. Well, praise ye the Lord. Good to see everybody. You look beautiful this morning. You may be seated. Uh, thanks to uh, Bishop and Pastor David Myers for their friendship over the years, and I appreciate everything that they mean to me. And uh, once again, I say congratulations to them and this church for 50 beautiful years of keeping the gospel of Jesus Christ alive in this area. <clears throat> Good to see a lot of my friends that I established 31 years ago. God bless all of you. Well, in the time that we have today, <coughs> I would like to turn our attention to the scripture. I was on Wednesday night, um, we're going to 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11. On Wednesday night when I was at the beach campus, um, I explained to the group that was there, I said, you know, in the apostolic church, we do not speak for ourselves. Ministry, pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles, prophets, we do not speak for ourselves. We do not speak from our own agenda. We speak for Jesus Christ. So today, I must tell you that I don't have any other agenda than just to give to you what Jesus Christ told me to tell you today. 1 Kings chapter 11. Notice it says, but King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 11, King Solomon loved many strange women. Now, here we go. Strange here does not mean, you know, a third ear or something like that. It really just, it should probably be better translated foreign, foreign women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Verse 2, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, what did God say prior to previous. He said, ye shall not <coughs> go into them, neither shall they come into you. Why? For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Turn away your hearts. Brothers and sisters, Friends, we must guard our hearts. That's 
the thrust of today's time together. I want us to consider this story and recognize that each one of us must guard our own hearts. You see, God knew that whoever you attach yourself to will have an influence on you. Whatever you attach yourself to. That's why we know that we are, as a church, out of darkness into light. Out of hatred into love. Out of bitterness into peace, love, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We have to recognize as a church that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to coax us out of the light back into the darkness because in the darkness you can't see what you're doing. And if you can't see what you're doing, you're going to be snared by the adversary. There's a lot of people that have learned how to do church. You can learn the procedures of what we call church. You can go to the building. You can sing the songs repetitively and not even think about them anymore. You can do all the religious things. You can go through the motions of religion and your heart can be far from God. Your, your heart can be knit together with something else. And that's the caution for every one of us. Matter of fact, if you're wondering who the target is today in this room, it's us. Me and you, every one of us are all the same in this. We must protect our hearts. And the way you protect your heart is you have to take a look at what you love. Solomon loved strange or foreign women. He loved foreign women. And God said, be careful who you attach yourself to because they have the ability to get to your heart. Sometimes, because we have what we call longevity in the church, we think we're immune. Here's a man, Solomon, that probably isn't even looked at properly by a lot of folks. Solomon is probably, first of all, known as a wise man, etc., had a, a great kingdom. The height of Israel was under Solomon as far as the reaches and the wealth. But, you know, that's not really the story of Solomon. That's not the story of Solomon. So we have to be careful. We can go for years, and then the next thing you know, we find ourselves knit to, in love with something that begins to mess with our heart. And you know what happens to all of us, we are the supreme self-justifiers. We all know. I mean, I can look myself in the mirror and lie big time and know I'm doing it. And so can you. Each one of us can look into the mirror and justify our position and justify our love affair. But our love affair is messing with our heart and it's turning our heart and our heart is being changed into something other than what God intended because 
God has already taught us that you have to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He taught us that you can't have a dual love affair. You can't love God and serve mammon or serve money. You can't do both. You can't have two masters. And we have learned in our society and hopefully our churches have thrown this out. But let's warn ourselves this morning and coach ourselves into understanding we have to be careful what's going on in our heart from what we're attached to in our lives. <coughs> like I said, Solomon's story is not the one that is highly publicized. Verse number three, he had 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines, and his wives, look at it, his wives turned away his heart. He didn't turn away. It's his connections. His love. Because whatever you love will speak to you in your face. Whatever you love will coax you. Whatever you love will woo you. Whatever you love, you will try to say, okay, whatever you want, I'll do it. So we have to be careful this morning to take a good look at our heart. God is asking every one of us today to not look into the mirror of the word of God and lie to yourself and go on about your business and stay the same way. But look into the perfect law of liberty and if you recognize anything, if I see anything that needs change, I need to change it immediately because I can't afford to be self-lied to. Can't afford to lie to myself and self-justify. Oh, it's okay. Everybody else is doing it. It's no big deal. Solomon must have started to say some really strange things to himself with all these wives. For it came to pass in verse 4, when Solomon was old. What does it say? When he was old. In other words, he was on down the line. His legacy, you guys, think about it. His legacy was already established. So what happens here? It came to pass he was old. His wives turned away. Look at it. There's some repetitiveness in the scripture, isn't there? Turned away his heart after what? <coughs> Other gods. Look at this. And his heart was not perfect. In other words, here's what that really means. His heart was not perfect. His heart became divided. His heart became divided with the Lord his God as, I'm sorry, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. That means that David, even though he had errors, he reversed himself when he was faced with the truth. He certainly could have killed the prophet when he got found out by the prophet that he had been with Bathsheba, he could have set off with his head and the man would have died right then and there if God would have allowed it. But David didn't have that attitude. His heart was really very different. You see, David said, hey, if God nails me, then I'm going to collapse on the ground and I'm going to repent. I'm going to have a broken and I'm going to have a contrite spirit because I know under the hand of God, if you're broken and contrite, God can use you. 
and God will keep you in the bloodline and God will keep things going. But if you stand up and you say, hey, off with your head, you can't come against me. The next thing you know, your haughtiness and your proud spirit will turn you into somebody that nobody wants to recognize. You see, Solomon got lifted up in his own heart and he allowed other, these foreign women to change his heart. He allowed them to change his heart. I'm asking us today, please, every one of us, me, you, let's check ourselves. Let's check our heart and make sure that the day that we gave our heart to God, we're in the same boat that we were then. That we have not gone back to the weak and the beggarly elements of the world. That we have not gone back to the things that were under the blood of Jesus Christ. That we have not gone back like it is a hog would return to the mire after being washed up. And a dog would return to the vomit. Hey, after I vomited out, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to leave it there and I'm never going to go back to it. But if you've served God and you go back and, and your heart gets divided again, it's like a dog returning to its vomit, the writer says in the New Testament. God help us today in a day of frivolity, in a day of everybody looking for a bunch of fun. I pray to God today that we would sober ourselves in this house. Sober ourselves because the end is going to be very tragic for individuals who think they can go through the motions of church and just do church and, and sing songs and not really know what they mean and preach sermons and not live the sermons that they're preaching. I'll tell you what, there's coming a day when every knee's going to bow and every tongue is going to confess and everybody's going to say, Jesus Christ is the Lord. I was wrong back there. I had an opportunity. I had a chance to get my life right. I had a Sunday morning when the word of God went forth to me but you know what I did with it I just sat there and I self justified myself and I just said well everything is going to be okay no it's not going to be okay I don't want a legacy of a man of God that has gone for these years and preached and then one day God says but he lost his legacy because he got tied to the wrong thing One of the saddest areas of scripture is what I am going to read to you right now. Solomon, verse 5, went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians. Would you ever guess that? Did you recognize that this is really the legacy of this man Solomon? Because this is his end. The man goes after a foreign lifeless God how foolish Solomon can you that doesn't even go in the same sentence together how foolish Solomon because he's a man of wisdom but Solomon how foolish for you to go after something that's crafted with the men's hands and their imagination that is not a God that cannot see that cannot reach you serve the one true and living God who has revealed himself in multiple ways to you and your generations. And here you go with something that's not even real. Because somebody turned your heart. And it says, and after Milcon, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. There it is again. The contrast is shown. God help us. God help us. 
Jesus, right now, would you help us? Would your spirit come over us in such a way that would bring sobriety to our minds? God, could the light be so bright and the, the mirror of the word be so perfect right now that, Lord, whatever we have to do, God, I want to do it. I want to look into the perfect law of liberty and not self-justify, but I want to make the corrections that I need to make. Oh, but Brother Duffy, you don't understand the times. Oh, Solomon says, maybe this is just the way it's supposed to be. Oh, no, it's not, Solomon. This is not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to have a beautiful legacy and then it be changed in the end of your life. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Solomon did evil. Verse number 7, then did Solomon build a high place for Chemoth. Look at that. Here's the man credited with the temple, the beautiful grandeur of Solomon's temple has never been duplicated. The next temple that came around was nowhere near it. But Solomon's temple was built unto Jehovah God. And here he is building a high place for Chemos, the abomination of the Moabites. Look at this, in the hill that is before Jerusalem. So he is the one that is behind the construction of the high place for Chemos on the Mount of Olives. And for Molech, also the abomination of children of Ammon. Verse 8, and likewise did he for, what's this, what's this next word? Look at that. All. All his strange wives, all the foreign wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. You see it? Do you see it? He's got so many influencers in his life. He's got so many points of influence, and he's trying to keep every single point of influence happy. Church, be very careful. I have to be and you have to be very careful of all the points of influence that are in our lives because what will happen all these different points of influence, we're going to have to satisfy them. We're going to have to do what they demand. And the next thing you know, within our hearts, which is the temple of the living God now, we will have all of these things built up inside of us we will have a place for this and, and we will have a place for that and we will have a place for this and we will have a place for that Solomon says I gotta get a place for this woman I gotta get a place for this woman I've got to build something for this one <clears throat> and next thing you know that place Jerusalem is littered with false doctrine with false with idolatry which is false he had falseness all around him he had false here, false there. He, he just couldn't keep up with it. <clears throat> the same thing can happen to every one of us. And it's a stern warning to me when I read these scriptures. It's a stern warning to me. It sobers me this morning as I stand here before you. It is so easy to get all kinds of affections in our lives and all kinds of points of contact where we are just so enamored with this and enamored with that and in love with this and in love with that. And the next thing you know, we've, we, our whole lives are just littered with false things. 
and our hearts get all divided up and then we all start saying things like, well, where's the glory of God and where's the power of God? That's what happened in Israel. Where's the power of God now? We can get to the place where we're so connected to so many different things that God says, sorry, I am not pleased. Verse number 9, the Lord was angry with Solomon. You know, that's one thing that I've learned. The Lord said the Lord was angry with Solomon. There's a lot of people that don't understand how this works. If you're serving God, if you give your life to God and you are totally separated unto him and you have given him your mind and your heart and your soul, everything about yourself, your adversary will be the devil. God did not destroy the devil. When Jesus came, he did not destroy the devil. He destroyed the works of the devil. If you follow, if I follow God with a whole heart, my enemy will be the adversary along with my flesh if it ever resurrects. The carnal flesh. And that's what the devil works with. But if you are a child of God and you have turned your back and divided your heart, your enemy is not the devil. Your enemy is God. A backslidden person's enemy is God. Because God's not going to allow you to claim to be part of the children of God and have divided allegiances. He's immediately going to turn on you and try to get your attention. He'll send famine. He'll send pestilence. He'll send disease. He'll do whatever he's got to do to get the attention of his children to turn themselves back to him wholeheartedly. Somebody says, well, I, I thought it was the devil. It's not the devil. If you're not walking with God like you should be, it's God that's on your case. It's God that's on your back. It's God that's messing with you. If you're walking with God doing what he's called you to do and you're 100% obedient, which is possible, by the way, and you're 100% obedient with God, it's the devil that's going to be your adversary. <clears throat> but thank God. I'd rather have the devil as my adversary any day than to have God breathing down my neck because I have a divided allegiance. Because when it comes to God, there's nothing I can do to get a higher power, to get God off my back. If God's on my back, he's going to be on my back. And nobody's going to get him off my back until I turn around and do what he's called me to do. But when the devil gets on my back, I've got authority and I've got a power with the name of Jesus Christ and with the blood of Jesus Christ. If I'm living for God, doing what I'm supposed to do, bring it on, devil, for greater is the power that is in the church than the power that is in the world. Come on, church. Now's not the day to have divided allegiance. Today is the day to say, God, I'm going to look into the law, and what I'm going to do is change what I need to change because I don't want you coming against me, Lord. 
When the devil comes and breathes down the back of the church or in the face of the church, hallelujah, I'm thankful that we've got a name that's above every name and we can say by the authority of the name of Jesus, get thee behind me. I don't want to hear the devil say, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? When I say in the name of Jesus, I want it to have the same authority that it had when the Apostle Paul said it and when Jesus said it. But if I have divided allegiance, then God's going to be mad at me. Then God's not going to support me. Then God's not going to pat me on the back and bless my ministry. He can't bless my ministry if I have divided allegiance. That's why I'm looking at myself today and saying, Oh, Tim Duffy, don't you ever start attaching yourself to other things because then your heart's going to get turned. Your heart's going to get turned. I want to set a guard about my heart right now. I want to set a guard about my heart Church, let's set a guard about our heart and say, I'm not going to let anything penetrate this heart. I'm not going to let anything penetrate me. We don't have an earthly temple today. We're not interested in an earthly temple. Jesus Christ said to the woman at the well, she brought up the subject. She goes, we worship in this mountain, talking about Samaritans and Mount Gerizim, they used to have a rival temple there approximately 160 to 70 years prior to this conversation. She said, we worship in this place. And she looked at Jesus and said, and in Jerusalem is where you say men ought to worship. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. The true worshipers shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Woo! Jesus just canceled Jerusalem's temple worship. What a wonderful revelation. He said the true worshipers aren't going to be in a building. He said the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit, human spirit, and in truth. That means full reality. The temple's not full reality, but full reality was standing right in front of the woman. He said, the water that I give. That means Jesus Christ is the source. Hallelujah. He is the true tabernacle. And here's what I'm really excited to tell you today. When Jesus Christ died and was buried and he resurrected, he did something else. It wasn't over after the resurrection. It says he ascended. That means he's gone. Jesus is gone. Did you know that? And he's still gone. He's still gone. You know how I know that? Because he's coming back. You can't come back if you're here. Jesus is not here. But he did do something. He said, I'm going to have a church. I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have an assembly that I call out. And they're going to be my eyes. They're going to be my hands. They're going to be the faith. Oh, yes, they are. Church, are we part of that uh, where we are 100% behind our head? How many heads are there in this thing anyway? There's only one head. Anything with more than one head's a freak. And the church is only freaky if it starts following multiple things. 
But thanks be to God, there's only one head. And I'm going to get myself uh, behind the one head. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm a part of the body of Christ. I don't have to worry about what's going on. All I know is Jesus knows what's going on. And I have to be obedient unto him. Well, there's a whole lot of deals going on today in our modern religious world about leadership. Man, you can go to bookstore, some Christian bookstore. Of course, I put quotes around the word Christian there. Going into a Christian bookstore, quote. Say, well, where's the books on leadership? And they go, oh, my friend, right over here. It starts here, and it ends down there. All of these books on leadership? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, let me rummage through these here for a while. Here's one, here's one, here's one. Oh, wow, look at all these words. Look at all this information. Look at all this, how to become a leader. You know, somebody ought to stand there and look at all that and go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with my leader. It's like a big hunk of steak. Give you time. There's nothing wrong with my leader. Well, how many, how many people are leading this church? Paul said it. Paul said it. He said God has gifted the church or given the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher for the perfecting of the saints. But all of us that are a part of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We all answer to the same head. There's really only one leader. All of this clamoring to learn about leadership, in, a, in one sense it has kind of a foolish tone to it. When really Jesus is the leader. You know what we really need to perfect? We don't need to perfect leadership. We need to perfect obedience. Jeremiah 31, 31. And through the next few verses says this. Paraphrasing. God is going to get a new covenant and bring it into the earth. It's not going to be like the first covenant when I took a nation out of Egypt. But he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, with my very finger, write the law on the inward part of a man. Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10 both quote that area of Jeremiah 31. And it says in 8 and 10 of Hebrews that that finger writing of God inside of a person's heart is the new covenant brought to us by Jesus Christ. When God filled us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with his very finger, every single one of us that are filled with the Holy Ghost, God took his finger and wrote again the law, but not on tables of stone, but he wrote on the fleshly tables of our heart. 
I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ put his law on the inward part. And all I have to do is not learn how to govern the church and lead the church because we've already got a perfect leader. What I need to do is understand that God has placed me in the church and filled me with the Holy Ghost. And all I have to do is be obedient to the leading of the Spirit of God that is in me. He's already given me an internal code. He's given me the internal law so that I can walk with him. I can do what he's asked me to do. Let me ask us all a question. When's the last time? Go ahead and raise your hand. When's the last time? Did God speak to you within the past 24 hours? Has the Holy Ghost spoken to you in the last 24 hours? Has the Holy Ghost spoken to you in the last anything? Has the Holy Ghost spoken to you in the last 24? Hey, has the Holy Ghost spoken to you in the last 24 hours? Here's the question. Did I do it? Did I do it? Oh, Brother Myers, I'm looking for the will of God. How long you been looking? Three or four years? Since when did God say, oh, I'm not going to tell these people where to go. I'm not going to tell them how to live. Friends, I'll tell you what's going on. If we're wandering around in the wilderness trying to find the will of God, maybe we better check out our obedience factor. Because the moment you start to obey Jesus Christ and do everything he's telling you to do, and I mean every single thing he tells you to do, then you have clarity. You understand his voice. You know what's going on. Our problem is, is we want him to, oh, I'm listening, Lord, to go to the fourth floor of the hospital and pray for everybody and they be healed. That's what we're listening for. But God's not going to go there with us because he's still working on a few other little things that we won't even listen on your way to work, God may say to you, hey, why don't you turn your radio off on the way to work? I'm not saying he told you to do that. I'm just saying this could be a possibility. Maybe God said turn your radio off on the way to work so that I can speak to you. And you say, well, I'm waiting for that big call to go to the fourth floor of the hospital. Because I want notoriety, brothers and sisters and friends. I pray to God we don't become ego-driven. We become so ego-driven. We have to have a pat on the back just to walk in the church building sometimes. When really we should be flowing in here saying in the name of Jesus, God, whatever you've called me to do, I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to fulfill the plan of God in my life. Brothers and sisters, we've got to protect our heart so that our step is not the step that's ordered by man or by our own thinking, but it is ordered by the leading of the Holy Ghost. The church is put together, not by us. We don't give you a, a quiz to find out where you belong in the body of Christ. It is very clear. Paul said that the church is put together by Jesus Christ himself. He places you in the body as it pleases him. I I don't, ple I don't place myself, and you don't have somebody place you, but it's Jesus that places us in the body. It's Jesus that calls us. He's just calling out to us right now. He's saying, where are my obedient children? Where are my obedient children? Where are the children that will not turn their heart to the right or the left? 
Oh, what could happen anywhere in the world? What could happen anywhere in the world if a people would come together and say, I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm going to fall upon the rock and be broken. I want to break this open so that God can do whatever he wants to do with me because I don't want the rock to fall on me and crush me and grind me to powder. Oh, God, I need you. I think it'd be good for us to stand across this congregation today and pray a prayer to God and say, Lord, please, God, help me see my heart. God, I want to guard my heart. I don't want to have anything else going on in my heart, Lord. God, I don't want my life to be an ego-driven thing. I don't want to be driven by the flesh, but I want to be led of the Spirit. For those that are led of the Spirit of God shall not do what? They'll not fulfill the lusts of their flesh. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody needs to thank God for his word today and to thank God for the sweet move of his Spirit across us today. Somewhere along the line, some songwriter sat down and penned words like this. I don't remember the whole song, but it's whatever it takes. Do you really mean that? Come on, do we really mean that? Lord, whatever it takes. Has anybody ever prayed a prayer like that or sang a song with true intent? You guys really realize what you're saying when you ask God to break down your will? Man, you're talking about a road you don't really want to go. I learned a lesson a few years ago. Matter of fact, it's been a lot of years ago. I learned a lesson. I'll go ahead and share it with you. It happens to go all the way back to ABI. <laughs> Remember we had prayer after lunch, and every now and then I'd go, instead of going back to sleep, I went and prayed one day. I had a prayer. I said, God, Lord, help me to help me to be humble, Lord. You guys, this is the truth. I prayed, Lord, help me be humble. In 24 hours, three of my classmates, three of them came to me and said similar words to me. Out of the blue, they just walk up to me. Three of them within 24 hours. I remember one was a young lady. She goes, you know, God could do a whole lot more with you if you'd just get rid of your pride. And she turned around and walked away. Woo. Two other people said similar words all within a 24-hour period because I remember going back to the chapel, getting down on my knees, and I said, God, I just got a revelation. You can tell everybody to leave me alone. God, you just tell them to leave me alone because here's what I've learned. I'm going to humble myself. I'm just going to humble myself.
something is going to happen in the United States churches. I believe this. Something's going to happen in these United States churches. And here's what it's based on. The idea of true humility before God. Really walking in the fear of God. The real thing. There's nothing wrong with the words, the fear of the Lord. People have tried to turn that into something else. The fear of the Lord is exactly what it sounds like. You stand in fear of the Lord. Why? Because if I ever get out of line, he's going to be on my back. And if I get out of line and I self-justify myself, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to meet him in the end. And everything is going to be clear. Everything is going to be open. Every secret is going to be made manifest. When the church of today, when we really get to a place of humility, I'll tell you what's going to happen in our local churches. It's going to start on one side, and it's going to sweep across the congregation. There's going to be a literal healing of physical diseases and problems and issues. It's just going to sweep across our congregations the healing power of God because somebody is going to say, finally, we are not as smart as we say we are. We need the leader, Jesus Christ, to direct this thing. And I'm going to humble myself, be under the mighty hand of God. When humility comes and brokenness comes, look out, Palm Bay, look out. Look at everything God, God has already done for us in this building. But I'm saying you don't have enough room to contain. North America doesn't have enough room to contain the mighty surge of what's going to happen. But choir, what's going to happen is when we have service, get a hold of us. When we have an idea that, God, I'm nothing and you're everything. And I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to follow you. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the building that's willing to shout at the top of your lungs, God, help me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, work in my spirit. God, do something. <laughs>